the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, but I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it, the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. As I, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, but I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Well, that was a very handsome uh, scripture reader today, wasn't that? For those of you who are new, that is, my, that is my junior hire, and we got to read it twice for good measure, so it better be all the way in us after that. Well, we are one week away from our big milestone 20th anniversary, which is, I promise you, exciting, even if I can't get an applause at one single week that I've said that so far yet, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's almost become like a bad game now. I think I'm just bad at hype. I think I'm just bad at hype. I think that's the problem. I know you guys are enthusiastic. I'm just a bad hype guy, so that's a, I, I can live with that. Um, uh, obviously, very significant. We're going to be celebrating. We're also tying it. It's not only the celebration of our anniversary, but we're tying it to this kind of dream, to this three-city lot property that's adjacent to us and... Um, been many years in the making here, and uh, we're going to step all the way into this alongside with our anniversary. And so what I have done over these last couple weeks leading up to this one is I have been wanting us to think biblically about this kind of call for us to step into this together and asking kind of this big picture question, what are core passages in scripture that should be shaping the way that we think about life in Christ, particularly as a community? More specifically, looking over the past 20 years, how these particular themes have been very important for our story, and then even more specifically still, how that really ties to the call to really step into this huge opportunity, huge challenge together. So we did one week at looking at the body and how we all need to work together, and not only as individual people, but as entities, that this project represents a collaboration between our neighborhood, between our city, our nonprofit, between our church. Uh, We looked last week at the call of shalom, of peace, of safety, and why this lot plays such a huge role. And so from this passage, and there's a whole lot we could say about this passage, but I just want to simply focus on what I think is at the heart of it, what I think is at the heart of Christian life in general. Um, Jesus, when talking about himself and talking about his vision for us, wraps it around two words. 
um, life and death. And I don't want to be complicated today. I want us to actually sit in the reality of these two profound words that Jesus has called us to life, right? And life to all of its fullness, life in abundance. Jesus warns us that there is a real entity in the world, real kind of set of forces that try to steal, kill, and destroy. And so Jesus wants us to be fully alive in him and wants us to be protected from and safe from forces of evil. And that when it comes to being a community, Jesus wants us to be a community that invites and pursues and creates avenues to life. Jesus wants us to be a community that protects against the forces of evil. So I'm going to get there in a little bit of a different way than I typically do. Uh, we don't show videos during the sermon all that often, but we're going to, a big part of what we're going to do today is actually just watch a, a, a YouTube video. Uh, and I'm going to spend just a minute telling you why we're going to use up kind of valuable time corporately together to watch this. Um, it came, I got introduced, it's called the Battle at Kruger Park. It takes place in a wildlife preserve in South Africa. And um, I was alerted to this through one of, do you ever have one of those mentors that has really influenced you that you might never actually meet in real life, but they've still really impacted you a lot? Uh, one of those for me is Dr. Marion Wright Edelman. And she's now in the D.C. area. She started and runs the Children's Defense Fund. And there's two things she says all the time that we have been saying at River City for a long time. They come straight from her. She's had a big impact on our community, even though we've never met her, or I've never met her at least. She's never been here. But her words have really shaped us. Uh, she says two things over and over again. She says, this should be true for everybody, but especially for those in faith community. She talks about how um, children are the most vulnerable in any society and that um, anybody who's worth their salt will always care deeply about children. Um, she quotes many of the greats, Mother Teresa, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, others who would often say things such as this, that the way, this is how Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it, for instance, the way society treats its children is the truest test of that nation's morality, right? And there's lots of synonymous ways of talking about this, but she talks about children are the most vulnerable group and are therefore in need always of most care and nurture and safety and protection. But then this language that's also been part of our community, she says that in at least the United States, and you know, you would maybe say differently globally, but at least in the United States, the most dangerous place for a child to live is at what intersection? You hear this all the time. The intersection of race and poverty. That this is the intersection where young ones are at the greatest level of threat because this is where so many things that, to use John 10 language, where the thief tries to steal, kill, and destroy, they tend to converge. Racism, of course, is a magnet for all the things that steal, kill, and destroy. Poverty is a magnet for things that steal, kill, and destroy. You put it together, it becomes a really dangerous environment. And so when she talks about this, so she wrote a book, and this is still one of my favorite all-time books. Um, I just even love the title. It came from one of the kids that she was mentoring. The book is called The Sea is So Wide, But My Boat is So Small. And that's often what it feels like when you're up against forces that seem like they're trying to steal, kill, and destroy, that the sea is so wide, but my boat is so small. And in this book, she writes just six letters. Uh, she writes one to the kids themselves, to parents, um, to stakeholders and communities, to politicians, to school teachers. But then she writes one to faith communities, a letter to faith communities. Um, and in it, she says, I'm not going to try to be fancy with words. Instead, I'm going to ask you to go find a video on YouTube. This is like 16 years ago, 15 years ago, something like that, that I read this for the first time. And so for those of you, I mean, those of you here or virtually, you'll see the video. If you're listening to this podcast, I'd actually invite you to do the same thing she invited the reader to do, to go find this podcast, to find this YouTube. It's just simply called The Battle at Kruger Park. And so we're going to watch here in a moment. And she said, this video describes what I want of faith communities better than any word I can say. And I feel like on this last week prepping for our anniversary, I feel the same thing. This is probably a video we should watch every year. This is only the second time we've ever showed it. So if you're a long, long, long timer, maybe you've seen it. Otherwise, I'm thinking you probably haven't. 
So this is a video. It's just straight out of wildlife. At first, you might be like, why are we watching this? On a week, we're talking about a campaign to build out this three-city lot next door. Um, it's, it's, it's a little bit brutal uh, at first. It doesn't end brutal. I don't want to spoil the ending, but I do want to spare you the agonizing tension throughout it because it's like seven minutes long. You're going to see a herd of buffalo walking by, casually enjoying the day, having no idea the threats that on both sides, uh, lions on one side, crocodiles on the other, and you're going to watch how they go after a little one. And it's, it seems like it endures forever. I'm not sadistic. There's a reason for why we're watching it, why she shared it. And kind of how it ends up resolving becomes just kind of this powerful picture of how I think a John 1010 community can look. Um, what, what in the simplest kinds of ways God would call on us. So I'll say a little bit on it after we watch it. But we're going to watch this video, this same video that Dr. Marion Wright Edelman said. If I could get a faith community to watch and emulate off of one video, it would be this one from YouTube, The Battle at Kruger Park. So we're going to watch this together. Virtually, it'll come on your screen for you. We're going to eventually uh, respond to it with offering, uh, with uh, um, receiving of communion. But together, let's go ahead and watch this video right now, The Battle at Kruger Park. That is a huge oh buffalo. That's a huge buffalo. It's a huge buffalo. Oh, they're too young. The one's gone already. Don't you think they're around the other way? It's a little. I don't know. I think they're a bit young. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, he's looking at me. They're, they're crouching. She's quite thick. Is that in the jack position? No, I thought it was the same. Where's that female? I can't see it. He's gone, he's just popped a buffalo here. Oh my god. God, did you see that yet? Oh my god, yes. Unbelievable. Oh, he's always gonna have to look. Hmm. 
Girls, I'm shaking. Can you believe this? They are the buffalo coming to help this one now. Watch. They're too late. Come and help this baby. Watch. They're too late. Can they help him now, Frank? Yeah, they can. He's still alive, you think? No, he's still alive. Russell, Russell for Frank. They're trying to drag him out. They're dragging him out. Hij heeft nou net een klankje gevangen. Hij is lekker action niet zo jong. Hij heeft een klankje hier zo in het water en die trap is bezig om nader te komen. Ja, positief. Hij heeft een klein buffeltje gevangen hier zo. Er is een krokodil daar ook. Yeah, there's a crocodile look. I'll have a crocodile look, you clanky. The yes. crocodile look. I checked through the barn. There's a crocodile trying to grab the baby. Yes. Look at this. The crocodile's taking the baby away. Oh, my God. They're two crocodiles. They're going to lose it. Oh, my God. Oh, they're going to fight over it. Oh, shit. Because I'm shaking. Oh, my God. Oh, he's coming through. Oh, look at the lines of one. The lines of one? Oh, the lines of one. Give a look at all those buffalo coming. Oh, they're going to come and try and chase the lion, but I think they're too late. I think you're right. They're way too late now. No, they're going to chase him. Come on. Oh, they're too late. Yeah, you oh, look at the teeth. Look at them. They're going to chase him. Look at the teeth, Jay. Look at them. You're too late. You're too late. You guys, you cannot believe what's going on here. There's a big parry between lions, crocodiles, and buffaloes. Whoa. He swatted at him and kicked at him. He's kicking at him. Look. He's kicking at him. Ooh, they got him surrounded. You got the lion on him, run. The little bit of a solo. The calf's still alive. It is? Yeah, it's trying to get away. It's standing up. It is, it's still alive. It's standing up. It's standing up. It's running out. It's got him back. 
Ja, jullie buffels en die nieuws weggevat van een kleintje af. Ja, ja, ja. 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 Ja, Oh, they are terrified. But they look the one. They look the one. Go on, Buffalo, go on. And there's another one. Oh, the big one. Did you emotionally survive that okay? It's kind of like an intense, an intense video, right? When Dr. Marion Wright Edelman shared that for the first time, and I later heard her or saw her show it a few times and speak to it, when she talks to faith community, she says a couple things that I don't want to get more cute than just how she says it. I would want to remind us of these same things. Uh, first, one of the things that she reminds faith communities is that there are just certain environments where parents are raising children where the level of threat that they're facing is just more than a parent can fend off on their own. There, there are certain environments where just the level of threat, the, the, right, I mean, that's what's so visceral about this video, right? It's like, it's not bad enough having the lions on one side, but then the crocodile tries to come in from the other side, right? There's these threats from like multiple directions. And there is just, uh, in fact, I remember her saying this at one of the speeches she gave. She said, the first time I watched that video and I see the lions pick off the child, she said, which actually is what evil always does. Right? Evil always finds the weakest in the herd. And I'm not talking like in a demeaning way weakest, but the younger you are, like the less strong you are, right? That evil always tries to pick off the one that's weakest. And she said, when the lions pull off the baby, it's just heartbreaking. She's like, and when I see those parents that keep running afterwards, I wanted to go find those buffalo parents and grab them by the horn and say, what are you doing? Right? That's your kid over there. What are you doing? until you watch and you realize those parents knew that they weren't strong enough to fend off the lines on their own, right? That they had to go get a community of support to come back. And I just think even just in this wild, the, the, the wildlife kind of picture, when you watch that whole herd of buffalo come back again, right? The whole, the whole temperature starts to change, right? The dangers are still there. The evil's still there, if we can kind of call it that. Um, but now there's a bigger herd, right? There's a bigger community that's about to take that on. And uh, when I think of the words of Jesus in John 10, when I think of the call to be a 10-10 community, right? There's individual kind of applications for this, and we'll think on that as we get ready for receiving communion together. But when I think of the communal application on this, I mean, can, can, I just, can I just say it plainly? When we are in environments where evil feels like it's coming in from every side to steal, kill, and destroy, we have got to fight like hell for our little ones. We've got to fight like hell against hell for our little ones, right? That is just, it's so basic and yet so consistently missed, right? Where faith so often becomes about, I just want to live my best life and find my best version of me and me, 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 me. Um, it's a completely different orientation to say, I am, in fact, this is where I would say is the second thing. Um, I, I, when I think of that idea of hell, right? The, the, the only time, what a fascinating idea. The only time Jesus talks about church, Matthew 18, 16. No, Matthew 18. Um, um, uh, uh, it is 16, right? Sorry, this is like one of those ADHD moments. But um, there's actually, here's the theological nerd in me. There's actually technically two times he talks about church. In Matthew 18, he talks about church discipline. But that's not really the same thing what we're talking about here. When Jesus talks about the essence of church, that's Matthew 16, right? I got that right, right? 
Can somebody help me where Jesus says the, the gates of hell will not prevail? That's Matthew 16, right? Just for my own sense, I need to know this right now. Yeah, Matthew 16, 18. Um, the only time that Jesus talks about the church, so I'm just feeling this in the moment, so I want to find this passage. When, when Jesus says, I will build my church, this is Matthew 16, 18. Uh, Jesus says to the disciples after they have just declared him the Messiah, the son, of the, the, living, the son of the living God, Jesus says, I will build my church, which is what a faith community is, right? I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Which means, I'll never forget the first time this like dropped for me, which means when you think of the identity of a faith community, there's a lot of ways to think about the identity, but one of the best ways to think about what a faith community should be doing is to locate itself where it feels like the gates of hell are trying to prevail. Wherever Now, ultimately, the gates of hell are not going to prevail, but wherever the gates of hell are trying to prevail, that is where the church should be. That should be central to our orientation, right? And that's why I think this video is so powerful to me because that is, this is a good way to know where the gates of hell are trying to set up shop. Anywhere that the evil one, the thief, is trying to steal, kill, and destroy in the highest level way possible, you know that's where the gates of hell are trying to move. And when you have, not in just in addition to all the psychological and spiritual ways that the evil one tried to destroy, but then through the things we know are, are just part of everyday life right now. I think I've had, yeah, I had three conversations already today about people negotiating gun violence in their lives right now. All right, when, when, when young ones are growing up in an environment where, you know, fill it in, what are all the things of the lions that are coming after them? The, the ways death represents this kind of encroachment on the life that Jesus has. When you think of the ways that crocodiles coming up and trying to steal and kill and destroy. This is where faith community is supposed to be positioned, located, organized, connected to. And at the, at the, at the most basic, right, and, and I'm preaching myself for now as much as I'm in anything because like, like all of us, right, I, I had moments where like faith gets hard or life gets hard or, I, you know, I get, but one of the things that resets me every time is I say, here's one thing I know more than anything else, that Jesus Christ is life that he wants life for all of his people. This is true anywhere and everywhere, that Jesus Christ wants to protect us and liberate us from the evil one that steal, tries to steal, kill, and destroy. But especially those places where the forces of death feel that they're converging in an unfair way, right, in a way that goes against the design of how God wants it. When those forces are croaching in on young ones, if nothing else I know this, I will give my life for fighting. Just like that herd comes back, I want to be part of that herd. I want to be part of that herd that comes charging in and says, no, you don't get to have that little one. Mm. You don't get to have that little one. And when I think of this big project we're doing next door, um, yeah, Dave, if you don't mind, I mean, it's a little bit of a gear shift going back to the renderings, but let me just do these one more time as we close out because I want to make the connection from John 10.10, being a 10.10 community, to... Battle of Kruger Park, but when we when we have this space next door, and you can just start flipping through these, Dave. I'm not going to over narrate them, but when we think about the outdoor spaces and the recreation places, last week we said being able to play freely and safely is one of the premier marks of Shalom. When you see the stage back there and the performing arts area and the ability for kids to sing or do spoken word or perform or just kind of learn about themselves, when we see these communal areas where the old and the young are together, where there's nature and where there's beauty and where there's community and where there's fellowship, when we see um, Harambe and um, uh, heating and air conditioning and, and, and screen printing and the ways for 
for young ones to be getting access to jobs. This does both. It fights against evil because you create these protected spaces that a lot of work goes into making these protected spaces. But also, this is the job of a faith community to create as many avenues as possible for life. Right? As many avenues as possible for people to become fully alive, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, mentally, physically, academically. We create as many avenues as possible for coming alive. All right, so I feel like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I try to be too fancy up here. And that, I think this is all I want to say today is that Jesus cares about life. And Jesus cares about death. And Jesus is serious about protecting. But this is how Jesus does it. He builds communities that are his body in action. And for those of us who are part of this community, that is always going to be a North Star thing for us. We are organizing ourselves and giving ourselves in a way where we are fighting for those who are in the crosshairs of the many forms of evil that are trying to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't know how to say it any simpler than that. I think there's probably more eloquent ways to say it, but inside of me, that burns brightly to join Jesus in being a 1010 community that longs for life that takes seriously the threats of evil to try to steal, kill, and destroy that. And that's why we got to build this thing. And I'm going to turn back to community here in a moment, but um, as we go into these next three weeks, we are definitely going to celebrate our 20 years, and I think it is important to celebrate, and um, we're going to have guest speakers. In fact, Dave, if you don't mind flipping over to the, uh, the speaker list just to kind of put a visual on who we're going to be hearing from over these next three Sundays. So we'll have Dr. Elise Barrymore with us next week on the 10th, who's been a friend of River City since early on and one of the favorite preachers here. Um, my and our spiritual mother as a church, Dr. Brenda Salter-Maniel, will be here on the 17th. Pastor David Marrero around the corner at New Life Covenant Assemblies of God will be here on the 24th. They will help us celebrate. They will help charge us. They will help remind us of who we are. Um, but right alongside this, the whole time, we are going to be prepping to go all in um, on that property next door. A couple things to keep in mind. October 15th is the event. We're going to do a live event, an experiential event in that lot next door. We're going to invite everybody we know to that event. This is the kind of project that does not need to be mostly a church-driven project. This is the kind of project that people from all around the city can and will, if we invite them, participate in. Right, so in a way we've never done in our 20-year history because this is not a church pro- That lot is not a church project. That lot is a community project. That is a Battle of Kruger Park kind of project. That is a John 1010 kind of project, creating spaces of life, protection from death. And so we are going to be asking you to invite people to that, to invite people. We'll, next week, we'll share the video that's being made that's just about done. We're going to ask you to share that far and wide. Um, yeah, so we're going to ask you whatever you can give to it to give to that, but also one of the really great ways that you're going to be able to support this is invite, 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 invite people. And so we're kind of at the point now even. Um, I'm doing my best with teams to kind of figure out how to organize this for y'all, but like bottom line, if you have idea, like again, this, our little hundred people here, this is like the Gideon's army, right? This is the five stones, or no, the... Is that what David has? Five? So this is why I'm not a hype guy. I should have these things memorized, right? This is David and his five stones with Goliath. But these are, these are real. I'm not trying to hype. This is the real stuff. Well, I think of Jesus saying, right, there's a handful of fish, a little bit of bread. You know, he's feeding everybody. We're, this is who we've always been. We are trying to fight against a bunch of lions and a bunch of crocodiles with what seems like not a whole lot um, humanly. Um, but God has always blessed it and multiplied it. And this is the call we feel this time around, that one of the ways God is going to bless us and multiply this is to invite widely for this project here. And so if you have ideas of how I can be supporting you better, if you have people you think I should meet with after we have this video, um, this next month is all about trying to figure out how to marshal 
all that's needed to get that thing built. Because I think, it, I, tr- I believe it's all my heart, it is going to be the next big front and center thing for us as a John 1010 community where we are laying ourselves down, where we are taking seriously the call of Jesus to pursue life, which is most important, but to be really serious about protecting against evil and the things that try to steal, kill, and destroy. Thank you. You guys are more, you're, you're, you're responding more on this part than 20th anniversary, and I think I'm actually good with that. I would way rather you feel, and I would way rather hear you on this part than, than anything. So that's where we're at, okay? That's where we're at. Um, and we're going to continue to come hard at this over these next three, four weeks. Um, I'm thrilled that today is um, Communion Sunday because, you know, communion actually, right, you, you, could, you could, if we use this image of John 10, 10, of life, uh, life and love are kind of the two core words of the Christian story. Right? We could just talk all day on the intersection of life and love, right? To be alive is to experience love and to live alive is to express love. But... And isn't there that phrase, the circle of life? I don't even know. I think that's talking about animals eating animals and stuff, so it probably doesn't apply really good right here. But when I think of that image of the circle of life, here's another way to think of that circle of life. When, um, when, let me just make a couple observations on John 10 as we get ready for receiving the gift of communion together. That excerpt that I took of John 10, Jesus says, I've come to bring life fully. The evil one, the thief, tries to steal, kill, and destroy. One of the things Jesus says about his sheep, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. They know my voice. To me, this is one of, I I just, I can't hardly think of something more exciting and scintillating in the Christian story than this, that you were created by God, through God, in God, and not only are you a reflection of the almighty triune God, but that God talks to you, whispers to you, leads you on a daily basis. Right? When we reflect on things like Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. When we reflect on things like John 10, the God of the universe knows you and loves you and wants you to be alive and talks to you every day. And talks to you every day. Now, it's, it's a growth process to learn how to recognize that and hear it and respond to that. That's not for today. But just to remember that the God of the universe has created you in God's image and God talks to you, calls you to God's self, calls you to protection and to nourishment and to life. That is what is true of you and what is true of us. And then God sends us out into the world. This is what I mean by the circle of life. We come into that life with the God who calls us and then sends us out in the world to be 10, 10 kinds of communities. That like those buffalo, that big old charge that comes at the end where they say, I love when they're, I could watch all day when they're like chasing all the lions off, right, you know, and just um, like, yeah, you, you, no, you don't get to be here. You don't get to be here. We're coming in strong. And you don't get to be here. You don't get to have our little ones. Um, This, to me, is the circle of life. We experience that life in God, and we come to know that that's true, that God is a God of life, that God really wants that for you, that God wants you to be protected from evil, right? This is, there's no detachment from the individual journey and the communal journey, that we come to know that God of life, and then we get sent out into the world bearing witness to that life and being serious about the forces that try to steal, kill, and destroy so I love how communion is built right into this passage. Jesus says, I love, I love how he says this last thing, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna receive communion. I love how, how Jesus says this um, uh, in John 17, uh, verse 18, the last part that, that we had read. Jesus says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. So this is so central to the communion experience, remembering that for us to experience life, Jesus had to die for us. That is the great exchange. Jesus dies so that we may live. And that's what we'll remember when we receive communion. I think there's different postures where we can come into the communion experience today. Let's remember that, that the God who created us to live died so that we could live. 
But I also like how he says this in verse 17. He says, he says, I lay down my life, but it's only to take it back up again. <laughs> so yes, God dies for us so we can live, but Jesus had to come live again so that he can keep calling us by name, so that he can keep leading us into life. And so I hope my own words have not gotten in the way in the simplicity of this. Here's what I would like you to reflect on on this Sunday, the first Sunday of September in 2003 as we get ready to receive communion together. May you remember that God died for you so that you may live and that this is a call to life. That when you receive these elements and sit with them, that this is God inviting you to life. Do you trust that? Do you trust that God wants you to be fully alive? Let, 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 us, let us sit in that today, that you, the God who's created you wants you to be fully alive. That the God who created you knows there's a whole bunch of things trying to steal life from you. And we bring all that today, right? There's stuff, there's loneliness that's trying to get you. There's despair that's trying to get you. There's lust and bad decisions that are trying to get you. There's past mistakes that you don't feel forgiven for that are trying to get you. There's open conflict with people you love right now that's trying to get you, right? There's financial worries that's trying to get you. Like, it comes in in a lot of different ways, right? We're not, we're, not, we're not minimizing that stuff, but God wants you to be fully alive, and then God wants you to go out into the world fighting for life, and that's what we're doing here. We're trying to be people who are fully alive. We're trying to fight for life, especially for our little ones. Does that sound good? So let us, let, we're not going to be reflective. That was our reflection time. Let, let us, let us um, communion servers, if you would come up, um, Larissa and Rebecca, you can come over here. If um, Mesley and Josh, if you want to come over to this one. And so here's what we're going to do. And if you've not been part of the community experience with us, it's, it's nice and simple. So a couple steps to this. So um, we'll come up in a moment. We have servers who distribute it to us so that we can remember we're connected together as a body, that it is an individual experience, but it's part of a communal experience. So as soon as you're ready, you can go to either side and just uh, go. And when you get it, whoever's got the bread is going to hand that to you and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And so as you receive that element, just try to remember that Jesus died so that you can live. And then somebody will give you the cup and say, this is the blood of Christ that has been shed for you. It's just a reminder of God's ferocious love in the way God has come after us and made God available to us. Um, if you are gluten-free, there is a gluten-free kind of thing. So just mention that to the servers and they'll make sure they hand you the one that's got the gluten-free cracker in it. There will be elders uh, who are praying during this. So, uh, but let me keep this simple. If you're joining us for communion for the first time, come up and receive the elements and come back to your seat. That's the bottom line. So don't, so come get them, but don't take it yet. We're all going to take it together. So we'll do two lines. You come and receive the cup, receive the bread, take it back. We're going to do a corporate confession and prayer together, and then we'll receive the gift of communion. All right. So you can reflect for a moment if you need, but as you're ready, you can come on up and receive the elements from those in our body and then go back to your seat. And then we will uh, receive communion in a moment together. Let's stand together if you're able. Let's. One of our traditions now is that we corporately confess together, um, bringing kind of our fallenness and brokenness, but also standing firmly on the promises who God is. And so I'm going to ask you, invite you to read this with me. And even as worship team is modeling, how whatever pose is kind of helps you get most aligned with this, I invite you to kind of posture yourself so let's read this together. God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We confess that we become bystanders in a world that steals, kills, and destroys. 
More than that, God, we are actively complicit with powers that steal futures, kill dreams, and destroy bodies and souls alike. Though we settle time and time again for lives of scarcity, you have come, O oh God, that all might have life and life abundant. We are quick to forget the life you desire for us is right here, right now, not in a far-off place in the distant future. Draw us into your life that we might be a people who bring forth life abundantly for those around us. Pull us into the heart of your shalom. And that we might stand against the schemes of the thief. Move us that we might join in the liberating work of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, as we stand here together, I'm going to invite you to kind of even lean in just physically, tactically, hold, tactilely, hold that piece of bread and just hold it for a moment. And this is mystical, I realize, but Jesus broke bread and gave it to the disciples. And he said, this represents my body, my physical body, the, bo the body that's going to be lived out through you later on. But right now, this represents my body broken for you. And so let's remember it is Jesus Christ being broken for us, but it's so that we might live, so that we might become his body in the world. So in the same way that Jesus gave bread to the disciples, as we hold this now, we remember Jesus said, take this bread, remembering it is my body broken for you. Let us receive this together. In similar but slightly different image, the cup, right, whereas the bread represents his physical body broken so our physical bodies and our spiritual bodies can be made whole, the cup represents the spilling of his blood the blood that Isaiah said, by his stripes we will be healed. That part of life is being healed, being made whole, coming to hear the voice of God. So let's remember, this represents the blood of Christ that was spilled for us. If it's not too much to even imagine, imagine just kind of being sprinkled by this, the, the, the God who gave God's self for you so that you can be made whole, that you can be made healed, that you can be saved, that you can be forgiven. Let us receive the cup together. Now as we respond in worship and singing, uh, let us give our whole hearts to the God who's called us to life. Amen. I don't know what all you hear and feel and sense in a song like that. For me, I now this is just my story, but I will probably till the day I die have to fight against the lie that God is disappointed in me, upset with me, that I got to go chasing after God if I have any chance. And so even to still to this day, a song like that is wonderfully disorienting to remember that I don't have to go chasing after God, that the goodness of God comes chasing after me. That's going to be good news for me till the day I breathe my last breath. So thank you to the team for leading us, taking us to this place. I was going to say stand, but I think you're all standing already. So let's receive a final benediction together. Beloved ones, will you remember that this really is who God is? God is a God of life. God is life and God longs for life for you. Trust that, know that, believe that. God longs for you to be alive. More so, God sees that there's very real things that are trying to steal that, kill that, destroy that hope, that life, that sense of belonging, that sense of belovedness and longs for you to be protected and delivered from that. Finally, beloved ones, God calls us to be a 1010 community, a community that longs
longs for the life of God to be known for all, but especially those who can feel the forces of death around them. Let us give everything we have to fight like hell against hell and to be a place of life. And all God's people said, amen. Love y'all.